Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. As we do now on a Tuesday, it's time to talk money with Alex Cook, our Ask Alex segment. Alex Cook, a special welcome back to 2020. Neil, great to be with you. Hey, Alex, not far away now from an election being called. Uh, It's Mm. due sometime probably around May. There is a particular interest in Christians and politics and on money. Uh, Let's talk about an election year and how the uh, political issues might impact our finances. Where do we start here? Yeah, look, politics obviously has an enormous impact on our finances because the uh, the laws that our parliament passes uh, can have a very profound impact on what we uh, can and can't do and how we can spend our money and how we get taxed. And obviously the big focus around elections is often taxation. If we think about the last election where Bill Shorten went to it with um, proposals to increase all sorts of taxes, you know, taxes on family trusts, removing franking credits, which I think was probably the one that uh, probably sunk him in the end. Um, But taxation is obviously a big focus and most governments want to go in looking like they're going to cut taxes, (laughs) although often they cut taxes with one hand and add them with another. So you've got to look always underneath the surface. But um, also in election years, you tend to get this habit where both parties, or the major parties that is, promise to spend more. you, you, you know, they all want to <laughs> look good and buy the electorate, so to speak, in one sense. And so there's often big spending policies to try and uh, convince people to vote for them. And I think it's probably one of the sad things of modern day politics. And uh, I'm not a historian, so perhaps it's always been like that, where, you know, uh, politicians like to hand out as many cookies as they can to get as many votes as they can. So not not that I'm trying to be cynical here, but obviously spending is usually fairly big in an election year. Um, but probably, I think, the ones that we should be much more concerned with here are the sort of medium to long-term ramifications of the policies that are going to get passed. Because one of the things that's really creeped up in the last uh, 12 months around the Western world, and indeed in the third world as well, is inflation and the consequences that many of these government policies are starting to have that you know they're affecting supply chains they're affecting all sorts of things and the cost of living now is going up significantly in the US it's about 7% in Australia it's just shy of 4% and of course even though wages are growing which is a good thing they're not keeping up with the cost of living so i think for 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 Christians one of the things that we should be concerned with is policies Um, that enable humans to flourish and to do well. And so we should be very concerned about anything that does damage to the average Australian in terms of uh, their standard of living and so forth. And I think one of the sort of concerns I've had over really the last 10 years is the sort of a creation of a working poor, whereby, you know, you see house prices keep rising dramatically and rents are going up dramatically, but wages are not necessarily keeping up. And so that should be a concern for all of us and and for praying for good governance uh, that leads to policies that enable us all to do well. So we do need to think the consequences, not just the short-term cookies versus the long-term consequences 
Alex, when we're talking about a Christian view of money and uh, in election year and uh, you've got all sorts of factors around the world, uh, rising inflation in so many of those nations that have been deeply affected by COVID and uh, the quantitative easing or the printing of money and uh, that Mm. fueling inflation and uh, the pressure then that comes on governments here back home uh, to be doing something which we might say is the right thing according to a Christian ethic. How do we apply a Christian ethic to thinking about government policy and money? Mm. Uh, Well, I think it all starts with this idea um, that as Christians, our concern should be that the policies that our government enact are going to benefit the most, you know, most number of people. We want to see policies that enable people to get ahead, that don't allow them to fall into poverty and and that allow them to maintain a reasonable standard of living. You know, as Christians, we're we're called to to serve others, to serve the poor. And so we should see policies that enable that to happen. Um, That doesn't go to the extent where some Christians take it, where they think, oh, we should all be equal and therefore, you know, socialist policies. That that doesn't work. History shows that. And of course, the Bible doesn't support that. but we need to be so and that 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 is a key issue that the, the bible is very clear uh that there is private ownership in other words uh, as individual believers we can all own different assets and certainly if you if you've been watching the media over the last two years we've talked of the the great reset being pushed by the world economic forum where their theory is you'll own nothing but you'll be happy Um, history testifies against that and scripture certainly testifies against that as well so private ownership of assets is is a good thing and of course as christians we add a spiritual dimension to that and that is that ultimately everything that god puts in our hands is really his anyway and we are to steward it well so whether we're stewarding our finances stewarding the environment whatever it may be we are called to be good stewards of that Um, and so i think from a christian perspective we need to think through that lens and and ask are the policies going to have that positive effect on the on the the broader population Um, because i think what's been happening over the the say the most recent sort of 10 20 years is a lot of the money goes to these vested interests, um, whether it's big business, and a lot of the policies favour these vested groups, um, but the average person is going backwards. And the way we see that, you know, you always hear about GDP, which stands for gross domestic product, and and, uh, governments like to see that's always positive. It's always in the black because it gives you the impression we're growing. But if you look at GDP per capita, which then spreads it across the average Aussie, that's actually been in decline for quite some time. And so our standard of living is dropping. Um, but the standard of living in and of itself is not so much the issue. It's more the issue that we want to um, have policy that help people to get ahead, help people to do well so they can live lives, raise their families and so forth. Um, and that's what governments need to be doing, creating that environment where people can flourish. Oftentimes in an election year, there's all sorts of uh, polarised ways of thinking about the politics and money, the gap between rich and poor and uh, issues to do with uh, how people get rich, uh, socialism versus capitalism and uh, people who are accused of uh, being on the capitalist side uh, saying they just want the rich to get richer and the poor to get poorer. Uh, The Mm. socialist, as you say, and socialism doesn't work uh, because it takes away any sort of incentive for uh, being able to have a, a nation that flourishes. There's an interesting concept in the idea of human flourishing. Is there something Christian in a foundation for how we might be looking at policies from both sides of uh, the political spectrum when it comes to the welfare of a nation? 
Mm. No, look, it's a fantastic question. Look, I think the uh, the, the reality is that what they, you have to be careful to separate what they say from what they actually do. I think that's the, the critical thing with this because both sides of the pol- uh, parliament, whether you go Liberal or Labor, right, left versus left, all this thing, their policies aren't all that different at the end of the day. Um, but the rhetoric is different. As you say, some of the rhetoric that comes out of the left t- typically is, you know, um, tax the rich, et cetera, the rich are doing harm to us and so forth. That's actually very, it's very dangerous rhetoric because what we don't want in our society is this division. You know, Australia is is very fortunate in many ways in that we don't have that kind of aristocracy and that kind of division that does exist in other societies. And so we want policies that sort of unite people together um, and have... Uh, uh, the concern for for each other. We're not trying to divide people up into groups because that's very dangerous uh, and will lead to lots of longer-term problems, whether it's uh, crime. Uh, and, of course, when people say tax the rich, often what politicians really mean is tax everybody, as in tax the middle class, and we all end up worse off because of it. So um, we have to be really discerning, I think, uh, to be understand what the policies really are. In other words, you've got to tear off the label that it's been given and ask, what is it really, what's the implication of it? How's this going to affect people's lives? And how's it going to affect people in the longer term? Because one of the, if we took interest rates, which is of course supposedly by the independent central bank, the consequence of this 30-year downturn, you know, downtrend in interest rates is you've now got the biggest household debt in the world in Australia. We're only second to uh, Switzerland. And so that, that has long-term consequences for us. And the reason why I'm very concerned for Australia is the risk that as rates rise because of inflation is you're going to have a nation of people who are enslaved. And so we need to think very carefully. We need to have righteous leaders in place uh, and, and, and leaders that acknowledge a Judeo-Christian worldview, and if they don't necessarily hold themselves, that they respect it uh, and they can see the benefit of it and how it will help our society. Because I believe that ultimately Scripture does have the answers. It does have the solutions that we need um, for our society. Um, so You touch on some pretty powerful points uh, because the, the thought of enslavement uh, is one of those things, I guess, you hold in tension, especially when you come to how you might pray as a Christian and with an election on the way because uh, freedom has been a huge issue. In fact, you know, our uh, federal parliament may well today uh, begin to debate the religious freedom uh, legislation, the uh, uh, the issues around the religious discrimination bill. So freedom is a really huge issue there. So if you're talking money and all of these other dimensions for a Christian, how do you think uh, praying for our nation uh, is an is an important element uh, coming up to an election? It's critical. It's absolutely critical. Um, and I think, you, look, you touched on freedom, and that's a really important issue. I mean, obviously, we've got the Religious Freedom Bill that, as you say, is going to be debated as early as today. But that freedom really relates to many areas of life, whether it's not, you're not you know, just freedom of association, economic freedom. There are many parts of the world where the government dictates what you can and can't do, what you can and can't buy, and, and even the prices for which you buy. You know, you get in, in some countries with high inflation, you have price fixing, for example. And the problem with that is that then leads to supply supply shortages of very important things like often food. And so freedom is absolutely fundamental for our society, uh, 
to carry on. And one of the things I think the amazing things of Christianity is it does bring freedom and, and freedom of choice and respect for the individual to make their own decisions. Uh, what I think's happened really in, in much of the West over the last 30 years is the government is getting bigger and bigger and it's becoming God and people are almost worshipping the government. And, and you've seen that, I think, particularly uh, with COVID and people's response to how, how the government's handled it. So praying... Uh, for policies that enable human flourishing, as I mentioned before, but policies that enable us to make uh, those individual choices that will affect us and our families and our businesses are critical, and of course our churches. Uh, praying for righteous leadership is absolutely critical, and people who respect the Christian worldview and can see the benefits it brings to society. I mean, just imagine if many of the Christian charities that exist today were not there. Um, it would have a profound impact on our society. So we need people to understand the enormous good that Christianity brings to our society. Um, you know, the way the media paints it is, though, you know, we're a bunch of bigots. But the reality is we bring enormous benefits to our society, enormous humanitarian benefits. Um, and it actually saves the government a fortune, too, because of all these the fantastic work of many of these organisations. So we really need to pray for righteous leaders that enact policies uh, that will benefit people and allow them to live free lives and... Um, and also religious freedom is, is well and truly entwined in that as, as much as economic freedom and other things. They're all, they're all related at the end of the day. Alex, I suspect the Christian would be thinking from a biblical foundation that uh, we're interested in the welfare of the poor. Uh, there is something very special in a foundation in Scripture to care for the poor. And yet, uh, when we talk politics and economics overall, they're intertwined together. And there is uh, no doubt a Christian approach to the way we might be seeing economics, including uh, and prioritising the poor. But it's, uh, it's all of these different areas that you're talking about. Absolutely. The poor is a critical one, I think, for Christians. And I think... Um there, there are literally hundreds of passages in the Old and New Testament that call us not to become poor, but to help those who are poor. Our responsibility as believers is to help lift people up and out of poverty. That That's critical. And I think, I and this is where you can get a bit of controversial view here, is that I don't believe that is necessarily the, the role of government. I believe that's the role of believers and the role of the church to help those in poverty. Um, and I think one of the downsides, if you think of Centrelink, so the age pension came in, I think, in about 1905, and it was there as a genuine welfare payment designed that ultimately those who live beyond their life expectancy, which was 65 at the time, would get a welfare payment. Now it's become a retirement strategy as opposed to being a welfare payment. That's how people think of it. And so I think what social security has done to our society is it's taken the burden off us as individual believers and put it onto the government. So people now assume that it's the government's role to solve poverty. I would argue it's the church's role to solve poverty. Um, yes, we need government to aid policies that enable us to do that easily and freely and, and cheaply, but ultimately is our responsibility. And so I would particularly, you know, I think, you know, with COVID and many people losing their jobs and all these sort of things, individual churches across the nation should be reaching out into their local communities and saying, who can we help here? Who are the people that have suffered because of what's going on? And how can we help them to rebuild their lives, you know, find jobs? Um, there's so many different ways we 
as a both individuals you know we might have people into our house who have lost their jobs and we help them through while they you know get back into work or we do it as, as a collective as a church but it is the responsibility of believers to do that and i think we in the west uh, particularly as the church should not be dependent on government we need to be the solution we need to be going to the government saying hey hey here's what we can do to help you that to me will be the, the the model going forward as our society continues this sort of you know downward trajectory of excessive debt and all all the sort of problems that we all know about that are going on in our society. The church has the answers, and and we can do that. So even though it is getting more polarised, we have the answers, I believe. If it's not all about the government solving the problems and uh, we point the fingers back to ourselves, uh, it comes back to this stewardship of our own finances and uh, perhaps even uh, being able to uh, put into our own financial planning how we actually uh, do help to uh, support and uh, alleviate uh, issues around the poor and the vulnerable in our own community. So it comes back to our personal finances once again. But, but again, here we are thinking about an election, uh, thinking about the policies. Uh, your thoughts here, Alex, uh, when you're th- thinking about who you're going to vote for and perhaps, and I, I think listeners can hear, you're not taking sides in this. In fact, uh, both sides are equally guilty or equally good. Uh, there's a certain sense here in which you have to look at each policy and be able to assess that as a Christian believer. Mm, oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, for my, my personal hope with the upcoming elections is that we start to really see um, some from some fresh faces and fresh change. And I, I really think... Um, the, the we've had this two-party system for for a long time and the, you know we all know one one of the major parties is always going to win each time i actually think we need to see some some big changes and big restorations of our freedoms uh big restorations of um, economic freedom whereby we reduce the size of government government now as a percentage of gdp continues to grow uh, and that is problematic in the long term it's just going to lead to higher taxes more interference in, in day-to-day life we i think we need a, a, a really uh, a big change here um so as so i don't want to direct people how they vote they've got to work through that with their own conscience the only thing i would really encourage listeners to do is to make sure you truly understand the policies of the various uh, parties that uh, are out there and ask yourself is what is the long-term consequence of these policies how will they help um the average australian are they, and also, how are they going to impact the church and the building of God's kingdom? We really need to um, to be much more discerning. I think Christians should be much more active in politics. Um, not that it should be a distraction from the gospel per se. You know, we've got a key, you know, great commission. But the reality is, politics affects people's lives, and we as Christians need, to, I think, to take a more active role and be more discerning in how we go about being engaged in, in the public square and the political process to make sure that we get good long-term outcomes um, for our society, for our fellow uh, fellow man, but my, mostly so that the gospel will flourish and that we can see many people come to Christ. Uh, some good context in all of that. Alex Cook, always appreciate your great insights. Alex is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. You can connect with Alex at his website, wealthwithpurpose.com. Lots of good free resources there if you're getting your finances in order. You can also follow Alex on Facebook and Twitter. Alex, great getting this update today. And uh, no doubt in the weeks to come, uh, the months to come, we'll be doing some more 
uh, assessment of how policies are looking in an election year and uh, bringing a Christian worldview to some of those things that are happening as we continue towards that election time. Thanks so much for your update today, Alex Cook. My pleasure, Neil. Look forward to uh, dissecting some of these policies with you in the future. Okay. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.